Welcome to Do That Well, a podcast about real experiences and how to turn them into life lessons. Unscripted, quirky, and passionate. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, recording from the San Francisco Bay Area. Being a leader in the retail industry for the past 15 years has turned me into an avid learner of human behavior. And from sunny San Diego, please welcome our in-house executive coach, Karen Thrall. On top of being a personal friend, she's been coaching leaders throughout the U.S., Canada, and internationally for over 20 years. Today on Do That Well, we're going to be talking about how to be your best self during a time of uncertainty. For us today, that would be COVID-19. Karen wrote an article called Not One Fear, But Three, addressing three key fears. I read the article and now I have a few questions. Let's get started. Karen, I read your article that you published on March 27th about COVID-19, and I think COVID-19 is the thing that is on all of our minds right now. It's something that we're all feeling in the world, and it's a pandemic. It's something that none of us have ever dealt with, and I think it's weighing very heavily on everyone's minds. So in your article, you address these three fears and then ways that we can go about trying to work on those fears. So you talk about the fear of loss, the fear of scarcity, and the fear of isolation. And I think that those fears really resonate. I know they resonate with myself. I definitely have some questions for you. So as I was reading, I thought to myself that those three fears and the way that you are expressing them and articulating them, they all sort of had a theme to them in my mind, which was this fear of uncertainty or just uncertainty itself. You know, I recently had a friend tell me that the reason this is so difficult for him is because he does better with bad news than he does with not having any news. That was really poignant to me because I thought to myself, yeah, if I had any news, then I would know how to feel, then I could feel away. But instead, we are just left with wondering. And so I'm curious, as you were writing this article, was that something that was on your mind at all? Did you find that it was hard to come up with fears? Okay, as cliche as this sounds, um, I was listening to all the mixtures of conversations that were going on around me. I noticed there were like, when people were asking questions like, can I get a haircut? <laughs> you know, like people were wondering, like, there's these jokes going on that are actually quite funny of what people's hairs, hair is going to look like being in isolation. And I went, wow, that's a loss. They can't go to their stylist. And so what they're used to having, they can't have. And so and that is loss. So those are small examples. But the more I listened, there was a there was a, a, this thing, this ache in people about what they're losing because of COVID. And some of them are really big fears, like losing loved ones. Some of them are big fears, like losing their job, losing income, losing their homes, losing access to food, losing their education, losing their dream. So when I started writing about the fear of loss, it was because of what I was hearing. And I thought, we, we need to talk about this. Like We need to address this fear of loss. You know how sometimes you have to let go of something before you hang on to the next? Like if you look at like those ropes and those swing ropes and you have to let go of the rope to grab the next rope. That is a form of loss, but it's because we're moving forward. And if we could address the fear of loss that people are experiencing and ask different questions, because I can't go and get my hair cut, what can I do? 
because I might lose my job, what is the next thing for me? There is going to be a next thing. There always think of a think of a fire. Have you ever seen a fire like in a in a field? It's contained, and then all of a sudden, all this new growth happens. It doesn't destroy the field. It just allows for new growth to happen. And so, if we get trapped in the fear of loss, that that's going to might paralyze us from asking different questions, questions about new growth and new opportunities. So. Something that you mentioned a few times, which I think is, you know, a funny example, but it definitely is one I'm sure we've all thought about, that the haircuts. <laughs> and so, I mean, I know I myself, I have bangs. And a few weeks in, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to grow these bangs out. Like, I can't get my bangs cut. And it's it's so silly, but I think it it is one that we've kind of all probably thought about, even if some small way. As you were talking about that, it made me think about another one of your points, which was the fear of isolation. I find that the ways in which people have connected via technology to combat the fear of isolation is very fascinating to me. So on the note of haircuts, I actually did a Zoom call with my hairstylist, and she walked me through how to cut my own bangs. And then I Venmoed her money for her time and her expertise. And so I'm wondering, with the fear of isolation, have you been finding that there's all these other ways in which we are finding connectivity? I think what happens if what I'm hearing people say is when they feel in, they go into isolation, they don't want to. And that's what we have to be careful of. It's when they stop wanting to connect, when they stop wanting to take a shower when they stop wanting to put clothes on, when they stop wanting to cook or go outside. And that is where my my alarm goes off. When I hear people are bored and they're complaining and they're middle and they're vocal and they're on they're doing their social media and they're making these efforts to connect, I'm relieved. I'm so relieved because it shows that they're they're still proactive. They're still acting out connection. What where my alarms go off of is if people start withdrawing. The difference between isolation and withdrawing. We're not being asked to withdraw. We're being asked to distance ourselves. So if people start withdrawing out of fear, that's where no no you don't have to withdraw. This is not about withdrawing. No one's asking anybody to withdraw. That's that's a fear based reaction. What we're asking is to uh, distance ourselves out of out of love we're distancing ourselves because we love people there's no punishment going on and so when people go into isolation they the fear takes over them and it's some people are getting crippled by it i get it so it's less about isolation in a very literal sense of having physical space and more about sort of the internal dialogue of isolating oneself versus creating that communication and connectivity between others. Yes. And I also would say, absolutely, make sure you contact at least one person every day. You are responsible. What part can you play is you reach out to one person every day for your own well-being, for your own mental well-being. When you start going, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just, I'm just going to be by myself. That's not wise. 
That's not wise. So every day, sometime during your day, you're going to use social media. You're going to use the internet. You're going to use technology. You're going to use phone. You're going to do letter writing. Whatever it is you're going to do, you're going to reach out to somebody for your own well-being to keep your mind and your heart uh, fresh and and vibrant and connected we are beings that need to connect it is part of our makeup it's the beautiful part about being a human and we can't compromise that at all and i think that's a lot of what the psychologists are saying like stay connected in different ways and see it as a loving gesture that you're showing to yourself and to the other people Okay, so this is the perfect segue, actually, because in your article, you sort of talk about using care, compassion, and consideration as ways to come to bat and meet these fears of loss, scarcity, and isolation. I know you, Karen, so I know you're such a compassionate person, and I think being connected and having compassion for others is something that you are so great at just as an individual. It's something that I really admire about you. I think that that seems to come very naturally to you, but maybe that's for another time. (laughs) When I was reading about the ways in which you were talking about care and compassion and consideration, as you were even just saying, you know, to make sure that you're connecting with somebody on a daily basis. And I thought to myself, well, what about those days where You really don't want to, though. And what if you have those days where you wake up and you just you want to just eat cookie dough and watch TV or something, you know, (laughs) like how do we how do we meet that? Do we have compassion for ourselves and ourselves to do that every now and then? And how do we find the balance there? Yeah, I like that question. Um, Yeah, because, see, it's that thing of um, everything. And it has a moment, but not a lifestyle. So if you have moments where you would like to go into solitude, it's a moment. That's wonderful. If it becomes a lifestyle, my alarm clock goes off. I'll, I'll be concerned. But if you want a moment of solitude, if you say, you know, even if you said for these three days, I'm going to go into solitude, but you come out of solitude, and reconnect, that's that's okay. That's a moment. If you're saying, I don't want to see anybody today. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I, I just, I hate this. And I'm not, I'm not a nice person to be around anyway. So I'll just save everybody f- from myself. <laughs> and you take the day off. And then the next morning you wake up and you feel it again. And the next day you wake up and you feel it again. No, <laughs> no. You're going to take a shower and you're going to put food in your tummy and you're going to call somebody and you're going to break it. You're going to break free from that, that, because that to me, that's good. I'm getting concerned at that point is, you know. Definitely. I hear that. I feel like one of the questions that you suggested we ask ourselves sort of along the lines of what you were just saying is what kind of daily routine do I need to incorporate or what makes me happy in this home? And I wonder, do you have any thoughts on maybe for those of us that might be struggling with even identifying where our feelings are at? Like, what if I wake up and I don't and I ask myself what makes me happy and I'm not even sure? Yeah, I love it. I'm so glad you asked that question. So in the little bit of study that I've done, and I know there's people out there who are 
way bigger experts <laughs> than me and um, routine, routine, routine. And I'm not a person of routine. I like flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> you know, I like just kind of going with the flow. I don't need it to be so organized. However, in this time where we're, we're required to be quarantine, self-quarantining, routine is is one of the top uh best things you can do for uh, body health mind. Okay. So when you, when you uh, put together a routine and you follow a routine, it's actually really healthy for you. So, um, so for example, Corey and I walk Rudy four times a day and that routine is going to create a normal, um, yeah, just a, something that's regular in your life, especially in a time where we're not sure, like you were saying earlier, a time of uncertainty. We know what is it, what is what does a routine do? It creates certainty. So to create a routine is really good for you because there are some things in your day that are certain. I eat breakfast. I have my coffee at this time. And when I have my coffee, I sit here and I do this while I'm having my coffee. And I'm going to do that every morning. That's great. And then I, I walk Rudy at this time. That, that, that to me is certain. And that's going to bring a level of comfort and self-care. Um, the whole thing about what makes you happy in your home. See, and that's that whole of the delight. Like you're in your home. Like I, I'm hearing more and more how many people are gardening. You know, isn't that cool? They're, they're reconnecting with earth. And they're, they're buying plants and they're, they're creating something with their hands. And it's like, how cool is that? You know, that's being happy in your home and enjoy that place, you know, go to that place. So if ask yourself, what are the things in your home that make you happy? Is it your kitchen? I've been cooking. Some people are going to gardening. I love cooking and I'm loving cooking, loving it. I love being creative with it. And I'm really happy in the kitchen because that's, that's the area that makes me happy. That's great. So something that I think you kind of did without even maybe meaning to is you broke each question down into smaller questions and smaller, you kept narrowing the focus. So I feel like that could be such a great way of if you ask yourself this bigger overarching question of like, what do I need today? You could break it down into these smaller questions until you're actually able to answer one of them. So maybe if what do I need today seems too daunting of a question to answer because you're just not quite there yet, you could be like, well, what do I need in this moment? Mm, I like that. Do I need something to eat? What do I need to eat? Do I want something sweet? Do I want something savory? You know, and, and just I keep breaking that. it down into these smaller, more more focused questions until you're able to answer one. You know, it's it's the whole idea of rather than a, approaching the the whole thing at once that's too much for us to take on right so the smaller and more narrow focused we can approach things i think i like that okay i gotta tell you um, this triggers a thought in me one of the burdens that we all carry for each other is people's finances I, it breaks my heart how many people have uh, are, are um, signed up for unemployment mm -hmm. oh it, i mean it just breaks my heart and i can't even imagine right now what that must feel like. And that's the first wave. Maybe we didn't have to do it this month, but how many more of us might have to do it next month or the month after? We don't know what tomorrow holds for all of us. And so going with that too is today, do I have shelter today? Yes. Do I have food? T 
just today, just today. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then today you're taken care of. What happens is we start thinking about, but what if, what if, what about tomorrow? Okay. It's not tomorrow yet. And when I first started my business, I took such a huge leap, huge risk that I was down to pennies. Okay. Without exaggeration, I think I had like 87 cents in my bank account at one point and my credit cards were maxed. I was freaking out, freaking out. This was in the early stages. And I remember to call myself, I'd have to say, do you have somewhere to sleep tonight? I do. Do you have food that you can eat? I do. Then today you're taken care of. Today you're going to be okay. And I had to really keep it really, really to the moment. So I love what you just said. In this moment, what do I need? I need to go get out of my sweatpants. In this moment, what do I need? I need to... I'm lonely. I need to connect with somebody in this moment. What do I need? I need to eat. You know, I, so I love that Brenda. I think that's yes. Love what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just read my mind actually, Karen, because my, my closing question for you was going to be when you wrote this article on the 27th. And when we first went into this, I think at least in California, you're in San Diego, I'm in San Francisco. And we thought that we were going to be going back to, you know, our normal lives in a few days here. And now here we are looking at at least another two and a half weeks of staying inside. And my last question for you was going to be, how do we keep moving forward with all that uncertainty? And I feel like you just answered it, <laughs> which is to just really sort of take it day by day. Yeah. And also, uh, if I can tag something on that, and this is just philosophical. <laughs> so this is just me musing, you know, I don't, all of us are musing, you know, we're all trying to put this, make sense of this. So right now, really intentionally practicing, we all have a piece of the puzzle. Um, we all, if we all have a part, we all have a contribution to a solution right now. Um, not, there's not one person who has it all figured out. And your puzzle piece is equally valuable as mine. And together we keep starting, we just start gathering these puzzle pieces because we all carry an element of wisdom inside us. We all carry an element of perspective inside us that is so, it's so needed right now, you know. And um, so another thing that I'm, I'm musing on is this thing about a new norm. There is a new path and my friend, Dr. Eric Bean, oh my gosh, it was so good. He said the coronavirus is like an athlete who gets injured and can no longer play the sport. And I just, oh, I grabbed hold of that and I thought, that is so awesome. So if you think of a child who loves football and he plays football, you know, after school and then he goes to high school and he becomes the star player, star quarterback, he's MVP you know, state champion, national champion. He gets all these awards and then gets a four-year full scholarship at one of the best universities. He's the shining star. He gets signed on. You know, the scouts come and he gets signed on for the NFL. And he's playing. He's in his last little scrimmage game with his university team. The small town's cheering him on. And he's playing the scrimmage game and he his knee blows out. His knee blows out. The doctor says, you'll never play football again. His life is devastated and for a coach for me like I say things like get back in the game 
stay the course. I'm like always telling people, stay the course, stay the course. Well, I can't anymore. That's that coaching technique that I've used for five years won't be as effective anymore because people are, people are on a course and the course just got flooded. They have nowhere to go. I can't stay on this course, Karen. The course, my, my path is flooded. It's underwater. I have to find a new path. Yes, you do. So here you have this football player, his dream. He got right to his dream. He was on, he stayed the course and his knee blows out. And now he, he has to go through the, he has to go through the grieving. He has to go through the bitterness. He has to go through the resentment, the frustration, the pain, the hurt. And then one day he wakes up and he accepts it. He goes, okay, okay. What else can I do? And he starts exploring another path. So this new norm that we're going through, we're going to go through a lot of fear. And then one day we're going to go, okay, okay, what do I do next? What do I do now? And so even if we start asking that question now in our lives, what in my life is flooded? And because there are other paths, there are always other paths, always always. It's just not the path we've thought of. It's not the path we wanted, but there are other paths. And if we can stay true to that and really support each other in that, in those questions and those musings of what is my new norm. Well, thanks, Karen, for letting me pick your brain on your thoughts on COVID-19 and allowing the space for us to muse together today on this hot topic. Loved this episode of Do That Well? Head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe. Don't forget to rate and leave a review.